Okay, friends, it's festival and concert season, and you know it's all about the boots this year. That's why you need to make Tacova's your number one place for festival style this spring. And don't forget to shop their seasonal and limited edition offerings, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. We love Tacova's. They have a first wear comfort, which basically means there's no break in period. It's the best thing ever. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personal. Personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's really no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, though, just visit tecovas.com, T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to For the Girls. We have another exciting episode for you today. We're doing an Australian Grand Prix recap episode, so there's a lot of things to uncover here. It's going to be really exciting. Just so you all know, next week there is no race. We're taking an off week, and instead we'll be bringing you just one episode. We'll be doing a 101 recap, deep dive, sort of Formula One primer So this will be a really good episode for you all to send out to all of your friends who you are still trying to convince to get on the bandwagon. It's going to be great. Please don't forget to follow us at F1RTheGirls on Instagram. We're also on Spotify and Apple. So we look forward to seeing a few more of you join us on a weekly basis. So with that, we'll just jump right into it. I'm Chessa. I'm Sarah. And I'm Tiggy. I think we're going to start today with our main takeaways from the Australian race this weekend. So for me, first couple things, finally a good day for McLaren. Woo! Yes, very exciting. First double points finish of the season. First points finish for Danny, who came in sixth, which was awesome to see him do that at home. As we mentioned, he's from Australia. Rough start for Lando, dropping back some places at the beginning, but he fought back to pick off a lot of people in the midfield and came in fifth. Um, and then just a quick note on the team, they had some really great quick pit stops. So big kudos to the team. And then second quick takeaway, so happy to see Checo on podium, our guy. So happy. Awesome. He got a decent start off the line, but immediately lost out to Hamilton and also Russell later on who leapfrogged him in the pits, but he fought his way back in great Checo fashion to, to overtake both of them. So that was awesome to see him on the podium. Chessa, how about you? So as you all know, I love when a race has a lot of action going on in the middle. I'm always one that kind of goes for action amongst the teams that maybe don't get a lot of the airtime. So I think this weekend for me was really great just watching the midfield play it out. I think especially the battle for fourth, fifth, and sixth was amazing. I loved seeing Alonso all the way up there at least until, you know, the last quarter of the race, he was really pushing it. The commentators were even like, oh, we got a feisty Fernando this weekend. So that was really awesome for him. And for me, my main takeaway was mostly being really sad (laughs) for Max. I'm a Red Bull fan, and this is really tough to watch. I do love that Checo is so much closer to Max this season and has gotten a handle on the car so well. But that was just brutal for him. I feel like it's too early to make kind of definitive predictions. But now I feel like it's going to be so hard for Max to catch up to Charles in the Drivers' Championship. 
Charles is 46 points ahead after only three races. And obviously a lot can happen, but to be in contention, Max would need Charles to either not finish or have a total disaster in two races or more. So obviously it could happen, but Red Bull really needs to get it together ASAP. It's crazy how teams can jump up so fast on the points, which just goes to show it's easy to get ahead, but you're right. Like people can come back from seemingly out of nowhere. So I kind of hope that's the case. I really like to see people neck and neck. Yeah, we want to see a fight for the championship this year. It's just hard when, I mean, we'll get into this with Mercedes as well. And Sarah, I think you're about to say something about this, but like even just finishing is making a huge difference. Oh my God. (laughs) Totally. Which is crazy. Totally. So my other huge takeaway for this is that I think, again, kind of in low-key fashion, huge weekend for Mercedes being slow and reliable and literally finishing the race is working in their favor. George is sneakily P2 in the driver's championship, which is crazy. Being able to just basically collect these points through other people falling apart is really going to come back to help them in the end of the season if they can get their car together. So let's turn to how our predictions held up. We will say as a disclaimer, we had the benefit of doing our preview after FP1 and 2, which normally we won't have. So we had a little bit of a leg up, but let's go through our prediction. So Tiggy, you first. Yes. So mine was that both McLarens would be in the top 10 and they were. So that was great that we manifested that. Yeah. You really manifested that one. (laughs) I'm happy for you. McLaren should be personally thanking you. (laughs) It was all me and all of Australia rooting for Danny. I did not do as well in my predictions. Uh, Sarah, this is where we should cue the womp womp. But (laughs) actually, so for me, I had that only one Mercedes would be in the top 10 and it would not be Hamilton. Unfortunately, both Mercedes were in the top 10. Good for them. Unfortunate for me. But it was true that George was ahead of Hamilton this time around. And my predictions were that both Checo and Alonso would be on the podium, which was a bit of a bold take um, with Alonso. (laughs) So it's true that Checo was on the podium, P2. Um, But sadly for Alonso, he had a crash during qualifying, which was super sad because he it looked like he was on an insane lap but it's really great to see him up there fighting. And I'm just realizing now that we've gotten this far that Charles had such a dominant race. We haven't even mentioned Ferrari. I know. Our recaps. <laughs> um, but don't worry, we will be getting into Ferrari and especially what it means for Carlos. Definitely. Let's start with some pre-race content, though. So, I mean, one of the most exciting and important things is that (laughs) the race directors are now enforcing fireproof underwear rules in addition to the jewelry rules. So we're really volunteer to enforce that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Tessa. (laughs) We love being safety first for sure, but it's like they're really getting into the fine print here. Gasly was like, "If they want to check my arse, feel free." So funny. There (laughs) were some really funny reactions. And I just saw today, apparently Hamilton said about the jewelry ban that he wasn't into it and didn't want to comply. So we'll see what happens. But Will Buxton, who is a huge commentator and you may know and love from Drive to Survive, um, he said he thinks it's to send a message to everyone that they're taking the rules really seriously and will police everything. So they're kind of going over these fine print type rules to send a message to everyone that they mean business. This kind of feels like Catholic school when they're like measuring the length <laughs> of the skirts. Like you can only wear a certain color nail polish. So let's see how they walk that line. 
In in other news, pre-race events, they removed the fourth DRS zone right before the race for safety reasons. So we mentioned it in our race preview that we were super excited to see that and see what would happen. But 20 minutes before FP3, they they removed it, which was super chaotic because it can affect the car setup and a bunch of other things. The main champion behind this was Alonso. He was basically just saying that it was unsafe and he made his case to the race directors. Obviously, he won his case. So after Alonso brought it up um, to the race directors, there was basically five teams that were for it. Five teams were not for it. It was kind of split in the middle, but they ended up taking it away, which I mentioned affects, affected the car setup. So having DRS can help with porpoising because it has the rear wing open. So removing that DRS zone made it really hard for Ferrari because it made their porpoising worse. And if you saw the race, and we'll talk about it later, the Ferrari drivers were literally bopping up and down the entire streets. So they had a tough time of it. And one of the main highlights from FP3 was just a horrific weekend for Aston Martin continued. It's hard to even think of how this weekend could have gone worse for them. As we said before, Seb had COVID for the first two races, Vettel, um, and he crashed in FP3. So just trying to get a grip on this car, he crashed. Mick Schumacher stopped driving to see if Seb was okay, which was really sweet. Um, And then Stroll, the second Aston Martin driver, also hit the barriers. And so the team had to try to fix both cars in only three hours. We'll get into this more in the 101 if you're not familiar with it, but they only have two cars. They don't have backup cars just sitting around. So there's only three hours between FP3 and qualifying. So the mechanics had to try to repair crashes on both cars. They are absolute superstars. They did barely in the nick of time get both cars out in qualifying, but the weekend continued to deteriorate for them from there. (laughs) Stroll might be the... The WVP, I don't know. The worst We're valuable L- player, that's so true. Least, LVP, so true. LVP. Yeah, yeah, least, least valuable, valuable player award to stroll. <laughs> Some other key highlights of FP3 before we jump into quali is Verstappen was having a tough time. He spun out. He just didn't seem totally comfortable with the car and couldn't find balance. I think a lot of cars also struggled with that turn 11 spinning out on the gravel. It was basically like a pretty much a 90 degree turn and it was really hard for them there. Alrighty, so let's get into quality. Tiggy, do you want to hit kind of the big main highlights for us? Yeah, for sure. So amazing pull from Charles. He's just been looking so great and really strong. I know we haven't talked a lot about him so far in this episode, but we definitely will. Red Bull was also right up there with Max P2, Checo P3. Pretty tough for Carlos and Alonso. Both had been doing really well and and did not pull it out in quality, which we'll get into and McLaren and Haas seem to have swapped places. McLaren's looking a lot better, and Haas was sort of towards the back of the pack uh, this weekend, but we'll see how that plays out throughout the rest of the season. And one note as we get into quali, so for the cars who make it into Q3, they no longer have to start the race on their Q2 tires that they set their fast lap on in Q2, which was um, the old rule for many years up until now. And so everyone gets a free set of tires for the race start, just free choice of whatever they want. So that is something to just kind of keep an eye on in quali as the season goes on. So Chessa, want to tell us about what happened in Q1? Yeah, so besides Ferrari having some bad bouncing issues, I think the Q1 highlight was Stroll hitting Latifi and fully wrecking him. So obviously it sucks for Latifi. It seems like he's always crashing. But this was obviously, I think we've decided it was basically Stroll's fault. So basically what happened, 
there was a red flag within session within two minutes left. It took a really long time to clear up. Um, Latifi and Stroll were going on a slow lap. Latifi was already on the right trying to let Stroll pass. So he was fully out of Stroll's way. Um, and Stroll kind of just hit him and wrecked the whole thing. So the commentators were super harsh. They said, what on earth is Stroll doing? This is inexcusable, utterly unacceptable, ridiculous, ludicrous, embarrassing. The list goes on. Quick anecdote here. I was watching with my dad who has some sort of weird vendetta against Stroll was absolutely pissed. In a slight um, vindication for Latifi, the stewards did decide that it was Stroll's fault. But still, it wrecked Latifi's qualifying. So it's not, it's kind of small consolation for the stewards to say that it was the other car's fault. Yeah. So Q2, uh, really, we're pouring one out for our king, Botas. <gasps> His first time missing Q3 in 103 races, uh, which is pretty insane. He said it was because they changed the wing setup after the fourth DRS zone was removed. We're sad for Botas on this one. Oh, but so great sad run, for king. him. Yeah, great, great run. run. He'll be back. He'll be back. It also just goes to show, for people that aren't as familiar with Formula One, how much strategy goes into the car setup and making the car setup to specify all of the different things that are going on in the track. Yeah, so let's get into Q3. So Mick, Zhu, Yuki, Botas, and Gasly all didn't make it to Q3. So then we get into Q3, and kind of one of the big, big incidents was Alonso crashed and hit the wall, and he was having such a good weekend. He had been so fast, which is really sad. It wasn't his fault. He lost hydraulics and couldn't change gear. Um, it kind of seemed like his engine cut out generally, so it was nothing he could do. And then on top of that, Sainz got cut off on a flying lap because of Alonso's crash. They red flagged it right as Sainz was about to get in a lap time and cross the line. And Sainz was right up there with Leclerc. So Sainz also just truly through no fault of his own ended up with really tough luck there and could only um, get into P9 by the end of the session. Yeah, so that brings us to the results here. So Charles pole by three tenths, which is awesome. Max P2, Checo P3, Norris P4, um, Hamilton P5, Russell P6, and so on. A uh, big turnaround for McLaren. Really sad for Carlos, as we said, on P9. But Charles was really glowing in that post-quality <laughs> interview, <laughs> which we love to see. Truly glowing. Women's health is so important and balanced hormones are key for that. We've been loving Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth, who's committed to making women's lives easier. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1R the girls at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code F1R the girls for 15% off today. We all need a little extra health booth sometimes, and Fleur Marche makes it easy for us to supercharge our wellness. Their botanical wellness patches have been such a fun addition to our routine. We just stick them on wherever we want. They have them for sleep, relaxation, focus, and other things. And the patch delivers ingredients to your body in a subtle but effective way, and the results last up to 12 hours. Fleur Marche also has botanical gummies and their new organic nutritional powder, Green Machine. They only use the best ingredients and are tested for potency, contaminants, and heavy metals before and after production. And one of our favorite things, we also love that the company is founded and inspired by women with the mission of helping us feel 100% every single day so that we can have full energy and crush it 
every day. Find your new wellness essentials at fleurmarche.com and get a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order site-wide with promo code for the girls at checkout. Orders over $50 also get free shipping. Go to fleurmarche, F-L-E-U-R-M-A-R-C-H-E.com. Use code for the girls for 20% off your first order. Let's get into the race, guys. So... Not the most thrilling race ever, as we have mentioned, but could end up being really important down the line for the championship chances for both Max and Carlos and others, um, and also Mercedes and constructors. So maybe just a quick highlight overview of where we're at in the in the points. So Charles is at 71 points, followed by Russell, which is crazy, at 37 Huge difference there. Obviously, there's a big gap, but we then have Carlos at 33, Checo at 30, Lewis 28, and then Max in sixth at 25, which is wild. Tier. I know. <laughs> Constructors, Ferraris at 104, then Mercedes at 65, and then Red Bull. Um, and just a quick plug for my boys at McLaren. <laughs> they're they're in fourth right now. I mean, they're way back at 24 points to Red Bull's 55, but. Could we see a world where McLaren is fighting for top three? Very, very hot take, but <laughs> maybe that is a possible. hot take. But I, I think McLaren, takes. I think McLaren and Alpine are going to be fighting for fourth. Alpine's right at twenty-two, so I think it'll be a fun fight for fourth. We'll love to see it. Yeah. So the race car started with most cars starting on medium tires, so going for that one-stop strategy. One thing to note here: this is the hottest track so far of all the races this season. So. This is going to be a really important strategy. And, and cars, the car started on mediums, nice grippy tires um, that would heat up pretty quickly and get them going. So one thing that's really important to note that I think was a little bit of foreshadowing was right before the formation lap, all the cars were out, obviously. The Red Bull engineers were making adjustments to the car, to Max's car, right on the formation lap, like literally like seconds to go. Um, I was watching the race with my dad who had already seen the race in the middle of the night and he just like, Chessa, a little bit of foreshadowing there. They're talking about the reliability issues. So that was a lot to take in. I didn't really know what was going to happen, but I think Red Bull was already feeling a little bit on the back foot to start. Totally. And in terms of issues on the line, Sainz, so as we said, he started P9 because of bad red flag luck and quality. And then there was an electrical problem with his steering wheel right before the start. So same thing as Max, literally on the grid, they had to put in a spare steering wheel that didn't have the same presets like in the steering wheel setting. So he was already starting off in a really tough, chaotic situation. Um, so Tiki, you want to tell us about what happened lap one? Yeah, sure. So great start from Charles, easily ahead going into turn one. Lewis passed Lando right off the line, as I think we mentioned, and then passed Checo into turn one. So moved straight into P3, which he's the greatest for a reason. Russell, so take there. <laughs> Yeah, very hot take. Um, Russell got past Lando into P5, so really rough start for Lando. We already mentioned Sainz's start, which was really unfortunate. And then I guess we're moving into lap three here, but Carlos spun out and got stuck in the gravel and had to retire so early on in the race. So sad. The gravel saw a lot of action. The gravel saw so much action this weekend. And for everyone who didn't (laughs) watch, they were literally stuck in the gravel. like They were revving their engines and couldn't get out. And the grass saw a lot of action, which was that too. wild. Like at some parts, the grass was right up to the edge of the track. And if they just went a little wide on the turn, they would start driving through the grass. Um, Chessa, tell us about that video you sent us of Carlos and Charles after the race. That was so sad. 
signs and Charles right next to each other. And everyone's talking about how Charles had such a great race. And Carlos like doesn't know what to do with his face, with his hands. Obviously, <laughs> like he barely even did the race. So it was really bad. But t- Sarah, tell us about that new rule um, that happens with the safety car restart that happened right after um, signs had the, the safety car. Yeah, so Carlos caused a safety car, and just really recently, they made a new rule saying that you can't go side-by-side side side of the car in front of you on the safety car restart. So the front wing of your car can't cross the back of the car in front of you. Um, and this really puts a wedge in one of Max's favorite moves, which we saw um, at the start of this season. He loves being super feisty on the restart, and when he's in P2, kind of inching up right next to the car in P1. Um, and he wasn't able to do that here. They actually reminded him about it on the radio. So that um, that put a little bit of a damper in his plans. But even still, after the safety car restart, Max was able to get within about a half second of Charles. Um, but DRS isn't enabled for two laps after the safety car restart. So nothing really happened. He didn't get a passing opportunity. And Red Bull just didn't have the pace at all compared to Ferrari. So it really just wasn't wasn't even much of a contest at at the front there. So after the safety car restart, the McLarens were P6, P7, with Danny being seventh behind Lando, and Alonso was kind of stuck in the back at P10. He wasn't really fighting as much as expected. And then on lap 10, Checo easily passed Lewis, and we'll keep seeing this, but Checo has a great overtaking game, dare I say almost as good as his defending game, um, which basically just makes him the best driver ever. (laughs) So, Chesa, tell us about what happened. It's just sort of the beginning of Max's woes during this race. Rip, Max. This is all foreshadowing. So on lap 12, he'd already been complaining. And I think Max has been very vocal this season, kind of complaining about what's been going on with him. We'll hear it later when the big grand finale happens for him. But he was basically complaining about tire dag, had a huge lockup. Um, and he was four seconds behind Charles. So even DRS isn't going to help him then. He was just kept dropping back farther and farther. So after after lap 12, Max is really dropping back, but um, the top 10 is interesting. We have Charles, the Red Bulls, the, McLaren, the Mercedes, and then the McLaren. So we had a nice, neat grade up at the top. We didn't really see that much fighting between the teammates. It was always really fun to see. Um, I'm still so waiting for my big George versus Lewis moment to happen, which <laughs> is going to happen at some point. I would love to see a Charles Sainz moment really happen as well. Um, Me too. But they're too nice. They're good, they're good teammates. They have such good chemistry. I don't know how I would feel about that. Oh, they have good chemistry, but yeah, I think they're they'll get brutal on track, I think, against each other if they have the chance. Elbows for sure are coming out. Carlos has too much at stake to just let Charles cruise, you know, 100%. To number one. Yeah. So at lap twenty-three, we see Checo again pass Lewis. Um, there was a safety car from Vettel crashing and hitting the wall at turn four, which was unfortunately Seb's fault and not the car. <laughs> um, He's still getting a handle. He's still getting yeah. a handle on the car. Yeah, it's just a really rough weekend for Aston Martin. But because of that safety car, Lewis couldn't fight back. It looked like he was going to be able to come back, but he didn't. And George got lucky and was able to pit up to P3. And Lewis was pretty annoyed by that, I think. Lewis is very annoyed, for sure. <laughs> He's always annoyed at things that are fully out of his control. Like the pit stop with the with the safety car is also always going to be a... Um, a kind of a gamble and a, and a luck play. And I just think George got lucky with the timing of everything. So he has no reason to be annoyed. Yeah. And then Max had a really good safety car restart on this second safety car restart and almost made it past Charles, but couldn't manage it. Really just the, um, the big 
story of of the race with Max and Charles was just how far Red Bull was off the pace. In only one lap, Max dropped over a second behind Charles. And like usually we're seeing differences of tenths, a few tenths maybe. Dropping a second in a lap is insane. And so we really weren't seeing the back and forth battles that we saw the first two races because the Red Bull just wasn't wasn't capable of it. To drive that point home about the the tenths of a second that really matter, in quali, it was down to the thousandth of a second that people were fighting it out for. So a second is basically like six laps in a swimming race or like five goals ahead. Like it's just insane. And in one lap, Charles yeah. was able to break away from Max that much, which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, w- we can get into Max retiring here maybe a little bit too, because at that point he was two seconds off Charles. So what happened here on lap 39, Max's engine is on fire and he said he was smelling fuel, weird fuel stuff. So he pulled over, jumped out and was directing people on the track where to spray the fire extinguisher. And Max here is pissed, you know, saying everything is shitting itself on the radio. And it was a vague fuel issue, but it seems that a fuel line broke. So a different problem from what happened in Bahrain, which was a fuel pressure issue. But second race out of two that Red Bull have literally gifted Mercedes a podium. And, you know, it's it's really not good for them on the reliability front. Yeah, this was like the biggest upset of the weekend. I think after the fact, I think the team and Max themselves were pretty silent on Instagram about what had happened. Um, And they were kind of just like looking ahead, congratulating Checo, trying to be a little bit more optimistic for the future. But Max was so pissed. He said he was gutted, frustrated, and that this whole thing was unacceptable. Christian, who's the principal of the team, was obviously frustrated as well. And he confirmed that it was a fuel system issue. It wasn't related to the tank, so it was the fuel line. And I didn't know this, but the parts literally go into quarantine. So they like remove the faulty parts, quarantine them. They ship them back to um, to Japan to, to Japan with Honda to kind of like review what happened. And they have to just try to understand what was happening as fast as possible because, again, like they're already so far back in the in the constructors that they really need a miracle here to get that all the all the stuff working again in the car. Let's get into our LVP of the weekend stroll. Um, <laughs> so. Just wronging people left and right, including Botas, who said Stroll forced him off the track. Um, Then Stroll gets a five-second penalty for weaving on the straight. So this is something that my dad got so mad about, Tiggy. He was like, Chissa, you could only cut off to defend one time. You can't keep doing that. Stroll's (laughs) breaking all the rules. It's like he was breaking the girl code or the guy code of Formula One. Like, you cannot. Like, if you you cut off once to defend, that's it. You can't just, like, fuck around and weave up at the top. So obviously – he got in trouble for that. It was really But annoying. pour one out for him. He and his girlfriend recently broke up and he doesn't follow her on Instagram anymore. So it's a rough time for him. Like, let's, oh my let's God. cut him some Tough slack. time out here. <laughs> <laughs> so I think overall, like this race had its moments. It was pretty good. I think overall it wasn't the craziest of races, but um, Sarah, why don't you just give us the TLDR of what the final results were? Sure, TLDR. So Albon got up to P10, which was crazy. He went from P19 to P10. He didn't pit until the last lap. So a very different strategy from everyone else. Was able to keep pace with the McLarens on 50-lap old tires. Um, so amazing strategy from Williams. A really great result. For the final results, obviously, Charles won, Checo P2, George P3. And then we had them followed by Hamilton, Norris, and Danny. So big for the McLarens. And then rounding out the midfield, we had Ocon, Botas, Gasly, and Albin. Um, Chessa, as our Italian, want to tell us a little bit about what Charles's results meant? 
I am smiling so hard right now. So Charles had a grand slam. So for those of you who do not know, this is not nothing to do with tennis. What it means in Formula One is that Charles got pole for this for this race to start first. He led every single lap. He also had the fastest lap and then he won. So it's basically like the the trifecta, but it's four. <laughs> this is the first grand slam from a Ferrari driver since Alonso in 2010. So again, the Tifosi super excited. Ferrari's back on top. I'm just going to keep talking about this. So it's amazing. And F- and F1 posted a stat that every driver since 2011 to get a Grand Slam has won the championship. I wish I wouldn't have just said that because I feel like I'm going to jinx it. It's a cherry pick statistic, but we shall see. Yeah. And, and Charles kept beating his own fastest lap, which was crazy. Towards the end of the race, he asked on the radio if he could try again for the fastest lap. And they were like, LOL, no, no one's going to beat your existing fastest lap. Like just finish the race. You keep setting your own fastest laps. <laughs> That's a little cocky <laughs> from him, but <laughs> we love that spirit though. Like get after it, dude. You're in a great car. You're a great driver. Just, just, you know, rub it in their faces. I love that. <laughs> um, so we've been talking a lot about Haas this, this season, cause they've been doing well, but did we they jinx did... Haas guys. We <sighs> might have, <laughs> although guys, it's early. It's so it's early days. They had a bad weekend. They'll, they'll bounce back. So they did pretty rough. Gunther made a joke about how they always ensure that the safety car is out at the wrong time. <laughs> I um, they had taken a gamble on the hard tire strategy and it didn't work out, but they still showed decent pace. I actually don't think that they had that bad of a weekend aside from the strategy and the safety car not working in their favor, but well, they had an amazing weekend if you compare them to Aston Martin. So there's that. <laughs> if that's the bar, I I don't know what to say. Honestly, the three of us could have raced against Aston Martin and probably beat them. <laughs> <laughs> well, Aston Martin is now the only team with zero points. So yeah, we could have walked around the track and gotten zero points <laughs> and been tied. <laughs> so McLaren was also looking really good, back to their usual form. Um, but Lando did warn that it might just be the track working for them the physical nature of the track, like Danny being home, the Australian fans, whatever it was, and not necessarily the car working that much for them. And obviously Mercedes is way off from where they once were, but they're hanging in there and maybe they're making a little bit of a comeback. Yeah. And a little bit of an interesting thing about number two drivers, Checo and George have both gotten a handle on the car faster than Max and Lewis and definitely look more comfortable. We've mentioned Max has been pretty vocal about the fact that he really does not feel comfortable in the car, can't find balance, can't find grip. They've also both gotten kind of strokes of luck compared to their teammates, but still George is now ahead of Lewis in the championship and Checo is ahead of Max. So keep an eye on that and we'll see if Carlos gets some of this second driver luck soon. Oh no, I just called Charles. I mean, I just called Carlos a number two driver. I'm sorry, Carlos. Yeah. Don't even say that about my Prince. (laughs) He had a bad weekend. He's going to bounce back. Um, another takeaway Mercedes, we, we mentioned this earlier, but just them being pretty slow and finishing the race is really working in their favor. Uh, not having too many reliability issues and, and just slow and steady. Um, the it, what's interesting is the commentators have been saying that the fact that Ferrari has had bad porpoising this weekend, but still so fast shows that it's not just porpoising that's slowing Mercedes down. I think a lot of the commentary around Mercedes and their speed this year has been around porpoising, but I think that's a good point. Like they need to figure out what else is going on if Ferrari is still, you know, so much faster than everybody else and also porpoising. So yeah. true. Toto said they have some gremlins in their cars, so they need to find those. 
<laughs> Good luck, Toto. But yeah, insane for them to get a podium. They're really outperforming their car and racking up enough points kind of just through sheer luck. Like they by no means should have had two podiums based on pace. But goes to show, Red Bull, if the car doesn't finish, it doesn't count. So literally handing things to Mercedes. And if we're looking at the bottom of the table really quick before we wrap up, there's basically three teams that aren't doing too hot. Obviously, Aston Martin had a disastrous weekend. They have no points. Williams has one point scored by our lovely friend, Albon. And AlphaTauri only has 10 points. Just to note, they've also been suffering some undefined power unit issues in Bahrain and Saudi Arabia, just like just like Red Bull, which makes sense. You know, they're the, the junior team or the reserve team. Um, so it's interesting, interesting to see what's going to be happening with all of these cars. And with that, thank you guys so much for listening to our Australia recap. Don't forget to follow us at For the Girls. F1R on Instagram. And we will be back, like we said, next week with a primer and F1 101. So anyone who's not as familiar with the sport or wants to send it to their friends and get them to start watching, that will be a great episode to start. Thanks, everyone.